Welcome to The Nine Line, your news and information source for healthcare-related issues impacting Southern Nevada veterans, and a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. And now, here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Hi, welcome to the Nine Line Podcast. I'm your host, John Archiquette, and joining me as always, Joshua Gray. Hi, John. How you doing? I'm doing great. This is a, this is an exciting podcast today because we have not only brand new guests, but a topic that we've never talked about before. Vampires? Uh, close. No, not really. <laughs> um, we're uh, talking about blood donations, and it's something that right now is a, a really critical topic, uh, not only locally, but nationwide. Um, and fittingly, January is National Blood Donor Month. So joining us today, we have from uh, the VA here, we have Leanne Beasley, and she's the blood bank supervisor. Welcome, Leanne. Thank you, John. And we also have joining us, uh, I I think this might be the first non-VA guest we've had. Yeah, it is, actually. Yeah, Yeah. we have Brittany Estrella, and she is the communications manager for MyTalent, which is the the local blood bank service here in Las Vegas. Well, thank you for having me, and that makes me even more excited to be here, so thank you. Not to, uh, to, you know, psych you out or anything like that. (laughs) No pressure. No pressure. (laughs) So, as I mentioned before, um, January is designated as National Blood Donor Month, and uh, what's the, the story behind January? Why is that the, the month that's kind of set aside for this? You know, every year, um, historically, after the winter holidays, um, people, you know, are traveling, it's cold and flu season. There's so many variables as to why people aren't keeping blood donation top of mind. So January is always designated as National Blood Donor Month every year. And right now, especially in the month of January, we've declared a national emergency blood shortage. So it's an even more important time than ever to donate blood during the month of January. So why, why is there a shortage right now? There's a few different um, contributing factors that have led to this shortage. Of course, the pandemic, you know, since 2019, we've seen a decline in over 50% of our business blood drives. You know, people have either shut down their national headquarters or locally here, we've seen a lot of different businesses that are now operating remotely or in a hybrid model. And we've lost a lot of those accounts both here locally and around the nation. And also we saw a lot of severe weather impacts recently that we have lost 2,000 blood donations just from December to January with the cancellation of uh, blood drives and also closures of blood centers um, around the nation that we had to make up for just most recently, you know, the flooding in California too, for example. So these contributing factors have led to a recent blood shortage, which is why we just had to announce it. So it's a very serious situation we're facing. So it's something that you tend to see trends every year of when kind of like the, the high and low points. That's right. Yeah, usually the first week of January especially is very low. You know, people are spending time with their families, they're traveling, it's all the holiday season. And when people get back to their regular routine, we just want to remind donors, you know, it's an important time to continue to donate even during the holiday season, during, you know, going back to your regular schedule. Um, And you can donate every 56 days. It's not just something that you do during a shortage or during, you know, that blood drive that comes to your business, but also consistently throughout the year to ensure that there's an ample blood supply available. So what does it take to, to kind of encourage people to come out to these things? Because like you say, every every 56 days, um, that, that seems like getting 
needles in your arm quite a bit, you know, and there's folks who are scared of needles and things like that. So what do you what do you guys have to do to kind of get people to come out to to refill that stock? Well, I'd first like to acknowledge Leanne because I know she's an incredible advocate of our blood drives here at the VA. And we are so grateful for her because it's our blood drive coordinators that really lead the efforts to recruiting blood donors in the community. And I don't know if you wanted to add to that, but I think that's one of the most important roles um, in our organization is partnering with our blood drive coordinators. Uh, well, the VA here actually makes it very easy to be a blood drive coordinator. Uh, a lot of our employees are former military people, and in the military, a lot of times, they just kind of march you to the blood drives and you roll up your sleeve and you, you kind of get used to that. And um, so I just go and set up, we set up five blood drives a year, which is not quite every other month. It's um, give us a little bit of a break. So it's not every two months, but they, they just advocate doing three times a year. It's not even, they don't even say every 56 days. They just say donate blood every three times a year is enough to help people. Um, I, I'm in a unique position. I live less than two miles away and I live in a 55 and older community where we have a lot of veterans there as well. And I get the, I get the word out to, to my community members and to the veterans there and say, Hey guys, we got a blood drive just a couple miles away. Come donate. So I bring in a lot of people from my community as well. So if I come to a blood drive here at the VA, whether I'm an employee or, or a veteran, um, what, what happens to the blood? Like, where does it, where does it go? How does, how does that work? Does it stay here in the VA? Does it go to like a central pool? How, how does that work? Great question. So once you donate um, with Vitalant on a blood drive or at any of our donor centers, the blood will then be tested and it will be sent to our partner hospital. So it gets matched based on blood type um, with the patient needs. Um, it stays here both locally. Um, in the Southwest alone, we service 75 hospitals and nationwide, we actually are a national organization so we also service 900 hospitals over 28 states nationwide. So that's a huge scope that we're facing with the amount of patients that need these blood transfusions, especially during the shortage. Well, I, I can say that no, if you donate here at one of our VA blood drives, I can't guarantee that our veterans are going to get that simply because we don't know what blood type we're going to need. I can tell you that I know by talent not only do we get our blood here at the VA, but Nellis gets their blood from Vitalant and UMC, which is the only level one trauma center, also gets their blood from Vitalant. So we're not just helping nationwide, but we are helping this valley quite a bit. Um, one thing though, that in our contract, what we have said is we get a certain, for example, every three or four units that are donated during the blood drives here, we get credit for one unit. So we are getting back, not only ensuring that blood is available for our patients when we need them and for Nellis when they need it, but we are getting credits back towards our contract as well. So it's, it's basically we're getting two for one. Yeah. So Leanne, you mentioned that, that you are the, the blood bank uh, kind of expert here at the VA, or that you're the, the only person who's like really has the specificity for blood bank uh, operations. What exactly went into becoming or you know, getting that role or, or becoming that? So um, I'm the blood bank supervisor, and 
My background is uh, I'm a medical laboratory scientist. It's a four-year degree. Um, actually, I got my degree in microbiology and medical technology. And then after I was in the lab tech for several years, uh, I'm an Army lab officer and um, was a department of the Army civilian also. I went back and got another year and a half training just in blood banking and went and get, got my specialist in blood banking. Um, I have 25 years plus of lab management experience as well, so. Do you enjoy this this aspect of things? I mean, some people, you know, might be a little nervous around blood, but is it something that, that you know, you're passionate about? I, I love blood banking, and I could talk about it all day long. Uh, anybody asks me about it, and I could go on and on, and unfortunately, my husband just shakes his head. <laughs> you can relate to that. They're like, okay, enough about the blood, family functions. I will tell you everything about it. <laughs> which, which actually my husband started out as an enlisted lab tech and his first duty assignment was to draw donor blood and he still is shakes his head and when i get going because because i i love it it's it's my life and i i could really talk about it all day long and it's a lot more complicated than most people know and and actually um it's a part of the lab that few people even want to be in well you know and there's a lot of people who kind of have trepidations or you know they're they're nervous about being around blood you know it's kind of a, a normal thing i guess um not that you know being interested in blood bank is un abnormal but it's something that you know there's it's a very divisive thing i guess uh, how do you approach people or, or encourage people who are you know afraid of needles or don't like the sight of their own blood you know how do you kind of like calm their their trepidations about that and you know help them to <laughs> come yeah. in and donate. I could say I was that person coming from experience. Um, much like Leanne, I became a blood drive coordinator before joining Vitalent, and I had that trepidation. I think when I like to reassure people, you know, it's fear of the unknown. The donation itself, if you're donating whole blood, takes less than 10 minutes of your time, as you guys know. And I always like to remind our donors, or new donors, it takes less than an hour of your day to help to save a life. So you really think about the mission at hand. It's just a small pinch in your arm, a little bit of pressure that's really all it is and you're in and out of that chair in an hour's time and you think about the patients that are in the trauma centers or here at the VA experiencing a surgery you really think about the patients who need blood transfusions and that really helps if you have that trepidation or that fear of the unknown of donating so from a physiological standpoint like how much blood do you have in your body as a normal person have and like how much are you taking when you donate blood um, so the average person I actually looked this up when you sent me the question um, it's 1.3 to 1.5 gallons of blood and you donate a pint of blood every time you donate so it really is a healthy experience for you you know it's an essential healthcare activity you can donate whole blood every 56 days and we allow for a time frame in between the donations just to make sure that you have sufficient iron levels and that we can prevent anemia for our donors to make sure you can continue to be a healthy and successful donor for your future donations. Are there people who can't give blood, whether for, for whatever reason? 
there are uh, several groups of people that may be deferred. I always encourage people to give us a call at 877-25-VITAL to speak with our team at Vitalin. They're very well versed on different um, travel restrictions, medication restrictions, different lifestyle activities um, that you may be deferred for. And it's always important to visit our website, vitalent.org, because we list all of those deferrals. There's so many FAQs and helpful information on there. And there's also a health history um, questionnaire that we ask before every donation. And all of those questions are available online. If you're curious, if you've never donated before, that information is all there. Because I know I know when I was in the Air Force, it was, well, how long has it been since you came back from Iraq or something like that? And then that 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 governed whether you could give blood or not. So I was, just, right. I was just curious. And yeah. you know, it's a good question. I'm glad you brought this up too, because less than 3% of the population actually donate blood, but over half of the population can actually donate blood. So we really have to, you know, spread awareness and show the community the importance of donating because not many people are going to be experiencing those deferrals that think they might be. So I think that's also an important um, topic I wanted to bring up too, mm-hmm. specific to travel. Um, there have been some changes in FDA regulations and deferrals that have taken place. Um, Those who were previously um, restricted for a lifetime deferral in France, Ireland, and the UK can now donate. This was a new um, big development that the FDA announced last year. And this opens up tens of thousands of opportunities for people who are donated um, for a lifetime deferral. So I think this is an important thing that we need to continue to spread awareness, especially in the military community, to veterans, because this can impact a lot of people specific to this community. Yeah, and, and when it comes to those those kinds of deferrals and things like that, you know, COVID has changed everything it's touched, right? Uh, how does uh, how does it work now for, for you guys in kind of the, the post-COVID or as COVID's on the downswing uh, environment when it comes to people being vaccinated or having had COVID or, or anything like that? Great question. And it's changed a lot throughout the pandemic. But as long as you are feeling healthy and well and recovered from COVID-19 for at least a 10-day period, you may donate blood. If you're vaccinated, unvaccinated, please donate, especially right now, because we are experiencing a blood shortage. In fact, we've seen in the past year the lowest levels in the blood supply and in the last three years the lowest levels of type o blood which is a universal blood type so if you know that you're type o positive or o negative especially we need you right now but all donors of all blood types are absolutely needed so i was one of those people who kind of had that issue with the travel um preventing them from being able to donate so i used to donate from the day i turned well from the year i turned 18 up until after I got out of the military because I had served six years consecutively in Germany. And I was told that, well, you live too long in Europe, you can't do that. And was it just because of the mad cow disease outbreak in the early 90s that was preventing people from from donating? That is correct. And actually what most people don't realize is that during a certain time frame, those people who lived in Germany, and um, especially in the early 80s time frame, the commissaries in Europe were actually getting their beef from England. And therefore, there was the mad cow possibility. And that's why so many people that lived in Germany were deferred um, when you in a, the time frame and the amount of time you were there. And they actually changed the Germany deferral several years back. And there are a lot of people who don't realize, still don't realize that the Germany deferral went away several years ago. Um, And now, back in August, September, 
the FDA because of the number of years it's been, and also I think because of the um, COVID has depleted the number of donors and everything, and because of the the crisis with the amount of uh, blood problems, problems getting blood and donors and everything, they finally did away with the deferral for the UK as well. So now all of those travel deferrals and all the military deferrals for living overseas, all of those deferrals have been removed. So anybody who lived in Belgium, Turkey, Spain, UK, Germany, all of those military people now can donate again. Yeah. Which is huge. Yeah, it's a big deal for the blood banking it, industry. It I mean, is. Yeah, thousands of donors that were told they had a lifetime deferral can donate now. It's it's tremendous. And especially in our community, just because yeah. we you know have so many people who've traveled and lived overseas for a long period of time that you know were willing to donate and just and you know couldn't for a while. So um, I know I was happy about that. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back talking about blood donations. You're listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. We'll be back with more right after this. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can. But it's just as important to take time for yourself. AARP can help. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org slash caregiving. That's aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Millions plan for retirement online. Estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, and manage your benefits all from the comfort of your home. And give yourself the freedom to do what you want offline. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere. Allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Tom has been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. I was really starting to worry. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Welcome back to The Nine Line, Southern Nevada's source for veteran-related healthcare news and information. Here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Welcome back to The Nine Line Podcast. John and Josh here with Leanne and Brittany uh, talking about January being Blood Donation Month, and really it shouldn't even just be January. We just we're talking about blood donations because this is something that is should be Blood Donation Year. Yeah, yep. Sorry, <laughs> all the I time. Yep. Yeah, this is this is something that's an ongoing thing, and, and you know we want to make sure that people are encouraged to to go out and donate regardless of the month. Uh, so you brought up a statistic, Brittany, last segment that kind of shocked me. Um, less than three percent of people are blood donors. 
That's right. It is a shocking statistic because we know that over half the population can donate. It's just a matter of going to your local, you know, blood center or going to a blood drive that's at your community. It's just a matter of taking an hour of your day to help to save the life of a hospital patient. And there's so many people that are eligible but just have not donated. And I think to understand the impact of who you're helping, it's someone in the trauma center, it's a mother having a birthing complication, possibly a premature baby, you know, cancer and leukemia patients experiencing chemotherapy treatments. There are just so many people that really need these blood transfusions. It's just the matter of taking the conscious effort to volunteer your time. So I've given blood, I think, four times uh, in my life. And every time I've gone to give him blood, I've passed out. Like, oh got right I'm to so the sorry. end there, and something happened, and boop. Yeah, so You're giving the Air Force a bad name, right? Yeah, now, I know, right? Yeah, well, you know, sorry. You know, about reactions that. are um, a part of the blood banking industry. However, we always want to make sure that our blood donors are well equipped and well educated on making a successful donation. You need to be well hydrated, have plenty of sleep. We also recommend that you have a nutritious meal. You know, stay away from the fried foods for that day. So when they unhealthy. made me when they made me give blood <laughs> during basic training, that probably wasn't the best time, is what you're telling me. Yeah, we do recommend you know being. Well well rested and well prepared. Iron rich foods are really important. You know, your salmons, um, those are really important factors and it depends on the donor, right? Um, I just want to remind people to be well prepared so that these reactions don't occur. Drink more water next time. Drink more yes. water. Hydration okay. is very Hydrate. important. Okay. <laughs> like, again, basic training. <laughs> Maybe yeah. on donation day we swap out the uh, big gulps for water. Well, uh, they've got water in them. <laughs> yes, if I had to say t top two, rest, hydration, and make sure you're eating those iron-rich foods. No fast foods the day of, no McDonald's, you know, go and get that salmon bowl instead. <laughs> so with people donating, um, you know, most of us who are in the military, we're familiar with what our blood type is, right? We get it printed off on our dog tags and our IDs. Um, not everyone really knows what that means exactly. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what your blood type means and, and how that impacts who you can donate to and receive from. So um, that's really a long story. Um, probably don't have enough time to go into all of it, but most people are familiar with ABO and RH, which is positive or negative. Um, first off, I would not trust what is on your dog tag Okay. Okay. Uh, especially if you are a Vietnam era veteran, because a lot of times they did not change the blood type on the dog tags. And a lot of people, it says, oh, positive, and they really aren't. Um, I have, as a blood bank supervisor, I've had to have um, many discussions with veterans who have swore that they were OPAS and we've tested their blood here and they're not. Um, but you can give a patient O blood, generally O negative. You can give anybody O negative blood, and it's not gonna, and, and that's the universal donor for red cells. Um, it is not the universal donor for whole blood. Whole blood is your red cells and your plasma. But um, for red cells, the universal donor is O negative, which is why O negative is so important. O positive is the next best thing. Only 15% of the population is RH negative, so the vast majority are gonna be RH positive, which is why O positive is another 
blood type that is so important to get. But if just because you're not O pos or O neg doesn't mean we don't need your blood, we do. Another 34% of the population is A positive. And we see a lot of A positive people needing blood. So, you know, and then here at the VA, for some reason, we have a fair number of B positive people that need blood. Even though, you know, you're only 10% of the population is B positive, we have a higher percentage of our patients are B positive that need blood. So it doesn't matter what your blood type is, we still need it. Yeah, well said, especially during the shortage. You know, this past year, we've seen the lowest levels of all blood types. You know, we've seen a decline in 30% since 2019 of all donors, in fact. So it's an important time, not only especially for typo, but all blood types. We need your blood donations during the shortage. Because most of the time, we try to give the person type specific blood. We try to give them the same blood type that they have. And the requirement now is that before you give type specific blood, you type the patient at that specific hospital twice to make sure they're getting the right blood. Which is why I say don't trust your dog tag. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of dog tags, uh, Vitant has our own version that we like to issue for our donors. So if you don't know your blood type or you're unsure if that is accurate information, one week after your donation, we have our private donor profile available to all donors. You get a mini physical with your donation and all of your health stats along with your blood card that we send in the mail with your blood type on it. So you'll always have that information available to you. So that actually brings up an interesting question, and it's a concern that I've heard from some people who don't donate blood, um, having their privacy out there. You know, you're able to extrapolate a lot of information from someone based simply on their blood donation. Um, you know, granted, most of us are, you know, in the military, government employees, whatever. All of our information is already out on some government database, but there's people who, who don't like the idea of their health information being out there to, you know, a, a private company. Um, you know, what, what kind of rules or, you know, regulations do you guys have in place to protect that privacy? There are very strict regulations when it comes to the blood banking industry. Um, all of our private information is secure, and especially when it comes to the hospital and testing processes, there are many different regulations in place and HIPAA requirements so that none of that information is going to be distributed to the incorrect parties. So, for example, as a blood bank supervisor and I get the blood, the blood bag with the donor, there is a unit number for that blood bag. It has a number, that's it. And I don't know anything about that person, nothing at all. It just has where it was, you know, what facility was it drawn at, what date was it drawn at and all of that. I know nothing about that person, so. Um, and that, that donor number, the unit number on the bag is how, when you go back to that facility, that's how it's coded so that the facility knows who, who, don who donated it, but no one else can figure out who donated it. Yeah, in fact, I could share another example too. We love to um, match donors with recipients, but because the process is so secure, the patient who is a recipient has to contact the hospital, get the blood bag number from their documentation. It has to be legally released from the hospital to be released to us. Um, so that is a large process just to protect our donors and our patients. 
Sure, because I mean that'd be a, a nice thing to be able to say, like here, the, here's the person whose lives that you say, you know, of person whose life you say. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, because of patient privacy laws and stuff, that's a, a very tricky <laughs> thing to make happen. Um, so let's let's separate a little bit of uh, fact from fiction here. So on the HBO documentary series True Blood, which I was told is not actually a documentary series, <laughs> um, vampires were able to drink synthetic blood. Um, is that a real thing? Are, are, are if not vampires, obviously, it, are is synthetic blood a real thing? It is not. I wish we were. It, I wish we were even close to synthetic blood or synthetic platelets, even. Um, in fact, the um, Central Office for VA just had a, and I think it was from Vitalant. They just had someone come and give an update on where are we at with some of the fake blood or fake platelets or even freeze-dried plasma. And we are still a long way from any of that. Um, they're looking at cold stored platelets. Platelets are only good for a maximum of seven days. That's it. And they still have to be tested, which takes at least a day, sometimes two days off of those seven days. Blood products, red cells, are good for a maximum of 42 days. Um, you can freeze blood, you can freeze red cells, and then they're good for up to 10 years, but they only do that with rare donors. So because it's a very complex process and it, it takes a lot to thaw and degliss all the blood, and then once you do that, it's only good for 24 hours. Um, Plasma, you can freeze for up to a year. Once you thaw it, it's only good for five days. So, you know, but we're still a long way for from any synthetic or man-made product, blood products at all. How tough is the, the logistics part of that? Because you're, you're saying that you've got some of these products that expire in a day, you know, like, well, how, how difficult is it to make sure you've got that, that product tested and to the recipient you know, within that window? It's a very complicated process. We work very closely with our hospital partners. We have a hospital services team and that's their um, one role is to really manage all of those logistics. And we are responsible stewards of the blood supply. So if we know that there is a blood product, you know, shelf life is a very important component of this industry and we rely on our generous volunteer blood donors. So it's, you know, a very complicated process that we're constantly managing, you know, patient need, what blood type we have available, what's needed and what's coming in. So meeting that supply with the demand is a very important part of the industry. And, you know, I didn't know first being a blood drive coordinator that there was a short shelf life. I think a lot of people don't know that there's a 42 day shelf life of blood, right? And that's important, especially with platelets having only a five day shelf life with the two days of testing. And those go to cancer and leukemia patients that are undergoing chemotherapy treatments. So when you understand the shelf life and the importance of who it's going to, that really just increases, you know, how important it is to donate blood. So with those short shelf lives of things like platelets, do is it common for those to expire and you just lose it? Or is there enough of a demand for those that you never, like, like as soon as they're on the shelf, they're gone? It is a shortage right now of all blood products that we're experiencing. As soon as they're coming in, they're going straight to the hospitals after testing. So we are not experiencing that at this time. Unfortunately, at the hospitals, we do expire some of those products. That is the blood bank supervisor's responsibility to try to help manage 
that wastage and try to keep it as minimal as possible. That is what I, one of the things that I consider an important part of my job, um, especially here at this blood bank where we, you know, we're, we're very small. We're not UMC. We don't have trauma patients. We do not keep platelets on our shelf every day. We order platelets in when we need them. Um, and I consider that a very important part of my job is to, when my doctors order platelets, is we look and see, we have certain criteria. And do the patients meet those criteria? If it's something that meets the criteria, then we get it. If it isn't, then it is my job and my staff's job to talk to the provider and say, it doesn't meet the criteria. I don't see anything in the notes. Can you please explain why you need this? Because I don't want to get it and then have it be on the shelf and they don't need it and, it, and we waste it. Or, you know, there is a risk every time you transfuse a product to the patient. And also, if we have a product and it's wasted or we use a product for a patient that doesn't really need it, then that's one less product that can be used for those babies at UMC or those trauma patients at UMC or maybe an airplane crash at Nellis or a baby or a labor and delivery mother at Nellis. And I take that part of my job very seriously. One thing that, that we kind of talked a little bit about earlier, um, you mentioned about the difference between red, red blood cell donation versus whole blood. You've talked about platelets, you've talked about plasma. I know a little bit about this, but I mean, just enough where when I was in basic training, they looked at me and they said, oh, you're typo positive and you're over 200 pounds. You get to go in this line. You get to donate <laughs> the platelets and all this other stuff. So, and that's my only real like exposure to like the difference. From the donor standpoint, is there a difference in process? Can you donate more often? Like, explain that a little bit. Yeah, I can go ahead and answer that. Um, so if you come here to the VA to one of our blood drives, um, you are more than likely going to be donating um, a whole blood donation or a power red donation. Those are the two types of donations we typically do at our blood drives. Um, those go to trauma settings. Those go to um, surgeries, whether it's emergency or elective surgeries. So it's a very important blood donation type. Um, you can also visit one of our three donor centers in person at Vitalent in Southern Nevada here, and we do platelet donations also, which we mentioned earlier has a very short shelf life. Um, specific uh, donors are eligible for platelet donations, and depending on your eligibility, you can even donate up to once per week. Um, so it's very important. We very much value our platelet donors as well because you're helping chemotherapy patients. Um, you know, I have a friend that just went into chemo today, so that really shows, you know, the impact of, you know, these type of donations. So and if somebody, I'm sorry, go ahead, Leanne. The power red that she's talking about is um, where you take two, you get two red cells instead of a whole blood donation, and they give you your plasma back. So, um, and that's actually, you cannot donate for 16 weeks. So it's like giving, you're giving two units of red cells so it doubles the time between donations, but basically, and they like to do your OPAs and your O-neg people there. So they get two units of red cell um, 
opaz or oneg and that's what the power red is that she mentioned i think that was a special line that you got lined up for well, yes <laughs> i think that was a special line. and it's actually so. usually like donated last week friday it yes was, you know, exactly do you want to donate double or you want to donate the the single so yeah and you're doubling your impact of who you can help especially typo since there is that severe shortage right now so is there like certain criteria additional that you have to meet to be able to donate platelets or donate plasma or the super red the power red there definitely red, is a, a little bit or super red is the same thing <laughs> i'm just yeah. making up my own terminology to uh, <laughs> you you have to have a little bit higher of a of a hemoglobin to donate the power red because they are taking more of your red blood cells um, I can't remember right off the top of my yeah, head. Different what it height is. and weight requirements. Oh, and yes. whenever you go to donate with Vitalant, our staff is incredible. And even if you don't know your blood type, you know, they can walk you through the process. If you've been there before, you know, oh, you're type O negative, like let's get you into a whole blood donation or depending on your height and weight, you know, a power red donation. Um, if you're curious about platelet donations, we would also like to talk to you about that as well. It takes about another 30 minutes of your time and you'd have to head to a donor center. So there's just a little bit of a different um, experience involved with both types of donations or all three rather um, but all are needed right now so whether you're donating at a blood drive or a donor center all of these types of donations are very important at this time and one thing they weren't able to do it this last blood drive but for those people that we have that are AB uh, which I can I call the AB positive or AB negative uh, blood type people, I tell them that they have liquid gold in their veins because that is the universal donor for plasma. And that is another thing that they are currently very short on. That is the plasma that they give for our NICU babies. Um, they used to use it a lot for trauma patients. They do still sometimes use it for trauma patients, um, but they definitely use that for NICU babies and that is another shortage right now. And that's because only about 4% of the population are AB. And um, they, can use, they can do the apheresis machine, which is what they use for the power reds and for the pla uh, platelets. And they can draw just the plasma out and not the red cells and give the red cells back. Yeah, and for patients, they actually have positive feedback because they feel a lot more hydrated and energized with the apheresis experience. You're actually mm -hmm. receiving hydration as well. So You're you saying have more the energy. person donating is receiving that benefit. Yes, the donor yes. would receive that. And you mentioned also premature babies. I mean, I've seen the impact firsthand. Um, I was with one of my best friends who had preemies and one of the twin boys had to receive a transfusion when I was there. So you think about, you know, not only the process of donating and, you know, going through the motions of just donating as a blood donor, but then hearing about the patients and seeing it firsthand. I think we all have had a neighbor or a family member or a colleague who has been impacted by blood donation, who's possibly had to receive it, who's been in a car accident or impacted by one October, for example. Um, all of these different factors are what we have to think about consistently and why it's so important to donate blood. I mean, those are all amazing benefits, to, you know, intrinsic rewards to, you know, seeing how your blood donation impacts other people. Um, you know, what other benefits are there for the people donating? Like, what kind of things do you get to, to sweeten the pot for the people who are still on the fence? Well, I can tell you that, um, you know, a red blood cell lasts 120 days in your body. It dies after 120 days. So if you are taking out some of, you're taking out basically a tenth of your blood when you donate a unit of red cells. So that tells your body, 
hey, I'm a little low, my tank's a little low, I need to pump out some new red cells. And so now your body's pumping out some new red cells and you get this, an extra bump of fresh red blood cells, which is gonna oxygenate your body a little bit better. And it's, you're gonna feel a little bit better after that. And um, you know, it ca causes your body to kind of give you a little bump of energy a few days after you've donated. And it keeps your body kind of um, going so that it knows how to pump out those red cells it keeps and and all of the other you know you you're also donating platelets in that whole blood as well because it's taking out all of your plasma and some of your white cells and some of your platelets as well so it keeps your bone marrow pumping out all of your red cells and platelets and your white cells and it kind of keeps your bone marrow going and and jump starts your bone marrow a little bit and gives your whole body fresh new cells to help you fight off infections and and giving you a little better oxygen carrying capacity and just kind of rejuvenates your body a little bit in that regard as well so it's kind of a bump to your system uh, that most people don't think about in fact some i don't know if you remember them talking about some of those athletes that used that would you know do the um i forget what they call it but they would pump yeah, with Fresh, cycle like the, the cyclists, endurance yeah. athletes and stuff. Yeah, used to, they, to do they that, would yeah. they would do that because because they wanted the fresh red mm -hmm. cells and and you're basically doing the same thing, and you're just kind of rejuvenating your body a little bit every once in a while, and it it's it's it is a healthy way of doing it. I mean, it's not something that we go and say a lot of because, um, you know, it's that's not really a way reason to do it, but it it is beneficial for your for your body to do that to get rid of some of those old cells um and and rejuvenate your body a little bit and in addition you also get a mini physical right so you can check yep. on your health stats your cholesterol levels i've talked to so many donors that read all the stats in our online donor profiles you know understanding oh my cholesterol is a lot higher than it really was and this is a great time to check in on your own health you know, as opposed to your regular physical appointments you might have at the doctor every year, you might also catch things in your own health mm -hmm. as well. So it's important to just understand as a donor, you're helping others, but you're also helping yourself as well. Yeah, and you'll get your blood pressure checked. Great. Thank you both so much for joining us today. This is really informative. I, I learned a lot and I'm sure a lot of people out there are a lot more well-informed now. So uh, thank you. And uh, we look forward to having you on you both on again sometime. Thank, thank you very you. much. And uh, all the listeners out there, thank you for listening, and we will uh, join you again in two weeks. You've been listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. For more information about what the VA is doing for Nevada's veterans, check out our official webpage at www.lasvegas.va.gov or follow us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash lasvegasva. Thanks for listening.